This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's Parenting Podcast. As part of the Dr. Van Ingen Clinical Psychology and Parenting Show, we interviewed Beth and Greg Langston, and this is that interview. Guests today are Beth and Greg Langston. For the last 20 years, Beth and Greg have empowered students to master their self-discovery, allowing them to successfully activate their life's purpose. Beth, who graduated from Purdue University in education, has guided hundreds of high school students worldwide to navigate the dreaded college applications essay uh, (laughs) process and a tremendous success. Greg also graduated from Purdue's Krannard School of Business. Greg pursued an international business career, which allowed him to mentor hundreds of young professionals while leading businesses over $1 billion and working in 65 countries. Wow. By the time their kids were 13, they had been to 12 schools and lived in five countries. We're so glad to have Beth and Greg here uh, today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, and we're so sorry for your loss for Stacy. Thank you so much. Um, Stacy had a huge impact on so many uh, at, at the University of St. Thomas. And um, that's where I found my purpose. I was going to be a print journalist, a broadcast journalist was my dream. I changed my major several times. I finally, on the mountains, true story, on the mountains of Raspberry Mountain behind Pikes Peak uh, in Divide, Colorado, uh, I had an epiphany. And in 1995, what that meant practically, I was was changing my major again. So... (laughs) Now, one of the things you guys are passionate about, and this is a struggle if you work in mental health, school counseling, is trying to help teens gain or figure out what their purpose is. And that's why I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. And I want to talk about purpose today. I have several questions for you, um, but I just love the college flight plan. And you have put together the college flight plan, and I want to ask you to get going how did you get into this project? Can you give us some of your background? Sure, we'll give you a little bit of background. Um, it all started with our own children who, as you said, we raised them overseas. It was an amazing experience. And by the time our son was 13, he had been to 12 different schools in five different countries. So it was great. They learned foreign language. They gained a great appreciation for other cultures. Like when we lived in Singapore, at the Singapore American School, there were 76 different nationalities in K through 12. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, and you can't get that in the States. So we've had a unique experience. And as an educator, I was very involved in their, in their education. And sometimes we had homeschool in the home out of necessity. Sometimes we had a school in our home for four different grades with other expatriate children. And um, it was always us, you know, we were juggling to see how to make it all fit, but it did. But we figured that we needed to get the kids back to the United States around high school time so that we could do more self-discovery courses and help them to learn who they are in order to really prepare for that college application process when you have to know who you are, what Mm -hmm. your purpose is, where you're going. But we just found that it was greatly lacking. We couldn't find anybody who was doing this. And on the other hand, Greg, as an international executive, 
had lots of hours of executive coaching to help him to be a better leader, a better team player, whatever he needed. And we kept wondering, why did you have to wait 20 years to learn this? Why aren't we teaching this to high schoolers right now? So with Greg, Greg's education, I mean, executive background, my education background, we started developing tools and experimenting on our own children with these <laughs> and then uh, oh, so, that's going to hurt. Yeah. No, that worked. No, this one worked. That one didn't work. But right. Beth says we experimented on the boys and, and the, on their son and our daughter. Yes. And then w on their friends as it grew and then on workshops in the area. And we found great success with our students. They were doing really well. So the good thing is, is that by going through the self-discovery that you mentioned so many young people struggle with, we're actually giving them a 20-year head start. Because when we talk to parents about... Mm -hmm. After they go through the self-discovery, they say, why didn't I learn this in high school? And that's yeah. basically 100% of the parents are saying exactly that. It seems like everything is moving so fast. One of my favorite college courses was uh, public speaking. And when my kids went to elementary school uh, a few years ago, in the second grade, they were taking... They, or they were giving speeches and getting graded for it. Everything is sort of analyzed, right? Mm -hmm. um, they were learning nonverbals and they were learning facial expression, the power of pause, right? These are things that I learned 20 years ago in college. So it seems like everything is moving fa faster, but you know, we're living in a digital native, we're grow kids are growing up as digital natives uh, and everything's online, everyone's got the smartphone. Um, do you do you find that, uh, have you guys found that it's just so much more important to uh, prepare high school students uh, now? Whereas before it seemed like, let's get them off to college, then they'll figure it out. <laughs> well, actually we we think exactly that. You need to start them early but you don't start with purpose. We believe that you need to start with values. Okay. And your core, and your core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And if I can describe a tree uh, with a root system and the root system are, are your values. Yeah. And so those support your purpose. And okay. if you have your root system or your core or your core beliefs, we actually teach the students how to determine what are their core beliefs, what are their, what are their values so that when they do have the storms of life and the challenges and they're not with mom and dad or with an advisor or a caregiver and they're faced with a situation to say, should I do this? They can, yeah. they can actively say, does this violate my core beliefs or my values? If it does, then I need to stop. Mm -hmm. And it really is very important to help kids do that. Yeah. And it seems like, so in the college flight plan, is that one of the first steps identify the values? That is correct. Okay. They go through identifying the values, then they go to have their primary values, and they then determine their core values, then they determine who or what might be a roadblock that's impeding, let's say, my core value is love, and I have a, an estranged relationship with my dad, this, is, this being the student. What do I do? What do I start doing to fix that? What do I stop doing? And what do I continue doing? We take the person through a process to help them really solidify an action plan relative to their values. And then we go through a gating process that helps solidify in their own mind. These are my values, I know what they are. And the cool thing about this, Dan, is at the end of the program, which we'll get to, 
they actually report out to their parents, these are my core values and why. Yeah, nice. Now, have you, do you run into high school students who, um, so I assume the college flight plan is for everyone who believes that college is for them. What about those students who don't believe college is for them? That's actually, we've found that too. It's a great um, process where you, some kids decide, I don't want to go to college. It's not for me. I want to have a location where a welder, they can, they're more um, hands-on with what they want to do. And they pick a vocation that actually they'll enjoy doing and they're not sitting behind a desk. And that is the main part of this. You don't have to go on to college. And many students find that it's not for them, especially in this day and age. The benefit is that self-discovery works for anybody because you find out what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And we, we decided on the, on the term college flight plan because <laughs> we want kids to fly out of, the, out of high school and out of the home to go to college or to some other vocation and then fly from there into their career, not back into our basements. We don't want them to come back to our basements. We want them to continue to have a, a, a career. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of kids did come back to the basements this past year in the pandemic. How did the college flight plan, um, how was it affected? We might say something about this here in the pandemic. How was the college flight plan affected this past year with a lot of students putting college on hold? Well, what it did is we used to do it all on workshop, uh, in a workshop method, um, where we would go in over two days, take people through the whole process. And we took advantage of the pandemic to put everything online, which then allows us to communicate with everybody around the world. I mean, we have clients in the United States, Albania, Colombia, all over the world that are going through this process. And so we think that the way we structured it allows it to be the videos and the training is in very micro learning. It's only two and a half minute long video. Mm -hmm. So they are able to look at that on their phone, on their tablet, on their PC, directly go to their interactive workbook and continue to make progress. And frankly, we've seen, and I've talked to a lot of people that said this discovery has really helped them because being out of school, they weren't getting the direction. They weren't getting the clarity. They weren't getting the purpose that they needed that they had with a normal interaction with their teachers and their peers going through our program actually helped them. You know, what's interesting is a, a lot of, yeah, in my field, you run into people who are trying to help other people turn the light bulb on and it's hard to do. It's hard to like parents struggling with their teenagers. When are they going to get that light bulb on? Like this past week, I was consulting with a colleague who's a lawyer, uh, with a very seasoned lawyer in family law. And so she works with a lot of di divorcees. And she was asking me, how do you help a divorcee be able to move on, not hold that grudge, that resentment, that bitterness, and, and not stay stuck? angry but to move on to the next chapter and to release and whether it's forgiveness whether it's letting go of that resentment bitterness and, and grudge but be able to move on to the next 
chapter with purpose and, and whether it's co-parenting, co-parenting freely. So as, as, you can, as you can imagine, it was a really interesting conversation that we went back and forth trying, how do you help a person heal, heal the wound and, and then move forward? Um, and there's lots of kinds of scenarios. Someone's stuck in a job for a long time and how do they get unstuck and move on to the next chapter? I talk with a lot of parents a lot of times I, I uh, reference Chasing Mavericks. It's a movie, um, the guy from, uh, I forgot it, the actor's name. He's in Olympus Has Fallen, one of my favorite action films. Anyway, he's this uh, famous surfer, not famous, but he's a surfer in this small town. And this teenage boy wants to, or this guy, this surfer says, all right, I'll train you on going after this maverick. So all of a sudden, this teenage boy is, the light bulb went on. He's practicing holding his breath for whatever it is, five to seven minutes. He's, he's, he's learning how to paddle his board for six hours. And, and so he's got this goal, and he's, now he's going after it. And now that he's going after this goal, what happens at home? He's helping mom with the laundry. He's making dinner. He's a responsible employee and a great teammate at the restaurant where he works. And all of a sudden, all these other things fall into play when he found his, the thing that drives him. Yes, we can so identify with that because we see a great transformation with our students. It is like a light bulb goes yeah. off after they've done this discovery about who they are and they just know themselves so much more and they they gain such a clarity in knowing their values and their strengths and their weaknesses and their purpose and being able to select a major and then they gain great confidence in clearly being to art being able to articulate that who they are yeah. in in a admissions interview in a job interview on their college essays you know their application essays and it gives them a little more sense of control because this year we have become counselors really to these kids as we go through it and they have a much greater sense of control over their future even though the world's a little wacky right now and the process the dynamic changes because they're not being told what to do by their parents for example, a parent may say, listen, you need to be a lawyer because your mom's a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, Uncle Joe's a lawyer, everybody's a lawyer. The student, you need to be a lawyer. And the student can then say, look, mom and dad, I've gone through the self-discovery that you paid for. And look, these are my values. These are my goals. These are my strengths. I would suck at being a lawyer, but I would be very good at being an engineer. And here's why. And this is the feedback that you and eight trusted advisors gave me relative to what I should study. So therefore, this is what I wanna do and this is how I wanna monetize my career after I go to college. Or if I don't choose to go to college, after I'll be the best welder uh, on the planet or I'm gonna take a year off, but they have a sense of control over their future. And it changes mm -hmm. the whole, um, the, well, how would I say? It? It's the, uh, the the emotional conflict that exists between the parents and the students saying, yeah. when are you gonna take, when are you gonna take ownership? You know, you got to do this. They do take ownership as a result. Yeah. You guys, I want to just mention a couple of uh, parent testimonials uh, on the college flight plan. Hope this doesn't embarrass you, Beth. 
My family had an amazing experience with Beth Langston's service. She saved us a lot of stress as a family, trying to get our son to do everything he needed to complete his college application essays. No nagging <laughs> from mom was needed. My son really enjoyed working with Beth and said she was cool. She was accepted all eight colleges on his list and I attribute that to Beth's talent in helping my son with his essays. Beth's service was worth every penny spent. What was your view of that? What happened there? Why was that so successful, Beth? Oh, well, the student, he, I know him, he was, he's at LSU now and he, he's being successful on campus. And we started to work together and he had a wonderful story to tell. Um, and he knew, he got to know more about himself and what his values were and where he was going with this. And he was be able to create very compelling and memorable essays, which is what we have to do now because of the competitive process. And it's getting more competitive now in colleges. This year, actually, more students applied to college than before. The, the application rate is up and the acceptance, acceptance rate is down. So the way to get in the door is with that essay. And uh, okay. Uh, so all so, so many good students, they all have high SAT scores, they all have high GPAs, they all have great resumes on extracurricular activities. So the key is the compelling essay. That's one of the practical things you help. Um, so what are some secrets to getting noticed in that essay by admissions officers? Well, admissions officers are looking for kids who know who they are and where they're going. And they want students that will hit the ground running at their university um, and contribute positively on campus, okay. graduate with honors, go on, have the possibility to go on and be successful and reflect well on the universities. And that's what they're looking for. And they can tell almost right away when they start reading the essays in the first paragraph, I had a great gal, oh my gosh, she was so, she was so qualified, but she didn't get to us until after she'd already submitted her personal statement with her application. And now she was being rejected by some of the top schools that she was so qualified to be accepted to. But when she gave me her original essay, in the first paragraph, there were a couple grammatical errors because she didn't have anybody look at it. She didn't want anybody to help. And these application officers only have I mean, admissions officers only have eight to 12 minutes per application to put okay. you in their yay or nay pile. Yeah. So that's why they need to stand out in that first paragraph of their essays. And I just help them to do that. I draw it out of them. I ask all the tough questions that they don't want to answer so they can dig deep. And, okay. You know. And it's really important that they figure this out yeah. because you, you won't believe it, but only 40% of college grads graduate actually in four years. Okay. It's actually 60% take up to six years to graduate. Okay. I'm just talking with somebody who yesterday, uh, who said, my, my son took seven years. And the fact is, if you go and, and look at what's the reason for that, it's because people are changing their majors at least three times. 60% are changing their majors. At <laughs> that least was me. <laughs> okay. And the cost yeah. now with schools, an average cost of $50,000 a year. Yeah. If you go from, from public in-state to Ivy League, it's approximately $50,000. That's a tremendous amount of money. 
Mm -hmm. And so what we try and do is we try and get the student to focus on what the right major is for them or what the vocation is for them and to be able to do it in a shorter amount of time, saving themselves a ton of money. Let's take students who are in AP programs or IV programs mm -hmm. and um, the workload is tremendous. Maybe they're in some extracurricular activities and like my daughter plays for a club soccer team as well as a uh, as well as the high school team and she's also doing pole vaulting in the track and field team and she's in the ib program wow. the ib program the workload is off the charts it can be very stressful um so i was looking at one of your student testimonials the first sentence by william I started this course at a very stressful time in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you, how is the college flight plan going to help those students? It's almost like another thing. Like, can you address that? Because you can't wait until your senior year. Like what you have to offer is something that but this sort of touches on some of the things like skills that, that, that teens need, right? Time management, organiz organizing their day. Can you talk about how this, where some students might look at this and say, okay, another thing to do that yeah, they don't have time for? Exactly. And that's why we try to get them sophomore or junior years uh, because they don't, their plates don't seem to be quite as full, my seniors. They are full. They, they don't have time to add much to their course. I mean, to their coursework, their schedule. We work on teaching them how to prioritize also, which is great, but starting early is key. And I don't think people don't realize it. If you've never been through the college application process before, everybody thinks, oh, it'll be senior year and the school's gonna take care of it. Their guidance counselors are gonna take care of it, but the guidance counselors are so overworked. They have like an average of 424 students to one counselor. And in the, California, it's 900. In California, wow. it's 900. And the recommended amount is 200, like 220 or something. Yeah. So they're overworked. And so if people could start earlier, it will lessen their stress. If we could start this preparation process earlier, that's what The other do. thing that I would add, Dan, is by going through the self-discovery, yeah. and they determine what it is that's important to them, mm -hmm. they can then determine equally what's not important to them. And so they therefore can say, I don't need to do this because this is not supporting my purpose and my goals and what I want to do. So you know what? I do enjoy playing baseball, but it's not really valuable for me. I'm not going to be a pro baseball player. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to play in college. I want to focus on my grades and I want to focus on other things. So I'm going to drop out of that and not do that additional activity. It really helps them to focus and to, to gain the clarity on what their purpose is. And I'll give you an interesting data point. 87% of people 16 to 29 in a recent study say they have no purpose or meaning. 87%. And so, you know, you wonder why kids are coming back home, why they're not going to college, why they're changing majors so many times. Yeah. It's because they don't have that clarity. And so by getting this clarity early, and also another component is we assign an accountability partner. Oh, nice. Uh, I should, I should restress, I should restate that. 
we give them the opportunity to pick their accountability partner. We're not their accountability partner. Oh, okay. They pick an accountability partner that's going to hold them accountable to do what they need to do. And we also show them that this doesn't take a lot of time. You can complete this process in 12 hours and you can learn all this information in 12 hours. And if you're working with an accountability partner, the probability of success is 95%. If you just share with people publicly, I'm gonna go run a mile or I'm gonna lose 10 pounds, the probability is 65%. But if you have an accountability partner that you share with, it goes up to 95%. Nice. I wanna finish that uh, testimonial because for William, it did work out despite being a very stressful time in his life. He said, this course helped me look and approach things very differently from what I used to, what I was used to. It had been an incredible journey full of discoveries about my purpose, goals, values, and strengths. I discovered my weaknesses and how to eliminate them. Now, when son, someone asks me to introduce myself, I feel confident and give them concentrated, valuable information. So one of the things I wanted to ask is, what is an elevator speech? And... <laughs> <laughs> what are the keys to a short commercial about yourself? And let me just say real quickly, uh, majority of teens have glossophobia. Does this address that F fear of public speaking? I have a student right here where the dad asked me to write an accommodation letter so she'd get out of her uh, speech in, in the class at Pineview, which is an honor school here, one of the top schools in Florida. Um, and I said, no, I'm not gonna write the letter um, because I knew her background, her dream was to be a pediatrician. And if she couldn't speak in front of the classroom, and so I, I remember my conversation with the dad, I said, look, she needs to learn how to do this. How is she gonna present difficult information to, to a family after med school? Now's the time. So, have you guys found first what is the elevator speech and, and you know the short commercial and this must be addressing this fear this anxiety that people have for for public speaking and being able to talk in front of others absolutely an elevator speech uh in high school is the same thing that you apply in business again we're bringing the tools that i learned in business into okay. this environment yeah where it's a one minute or 150 word memorized statement where the students describe themselves to a college admissions advisor or an alumni and basically they answer these questions who are you what makes you unique what are your goals why would you benefit this university what is your call to action as a student saying, I would like to know more about being admitted into your university. And can I send you an email? Would you please give me your email address so that we can follow up to see next steps? That's all captured and it's, it's yes, it's a process, it's formulaic, but what that does is the student memorizes that, it gives them a sense of confidence that they can just press the button and adjust it with little nuances as needed to be able to respond to a college admissions advisor or Let's say they're in a class, a new class, because they have to change to another, another class, and somebody says, okay, Greg, stand up and tell, tell us about yourself. You know, before you jump under the desk, you can press the button and say, my name is so-and-so, I'm from this place, you know, I'm unique because I figured out that this is what I'm passionate about, this is what I want to do, and it de-stresses it enormously. Nice, yeah. I will tell you an interesting story. I don't know if yeah. I actually had that, but when I came to Purdue University from 
high school. Um, I'd, I'd lived overseas my whole life. Okay. And I came to uh, to university, and one of my first courses was public speaking. Yes. And I was I was so nervous, and they said, "Okay, Greg, you're supposed to go." I said, "I got to go to the bathroom." So I ran out of the room. It's freshman year. I ran yeah. out. I ran down the hallway, and I saw I saw M E N. Uh, so I ran in. I failed to see the W O before the M E N because it was on an angle. And I I went into the bathroom. And I said, "Wow, in the states." You know, there are no urinals. It's all stalls, and there's a sofa here, and so on and so forth. So I went to the bathroom. I came out. I was washing my hands. A young lady came next to me, started washing her hands next to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the wrong place. I ran back into the room, and they said, okay, you're on, Greg. So um, that was awesome. my experience with uh, public speaking. Public speaking. <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned the hard way. That was, uh, And I've done it ever since. <laughs> So I want to guys. I want to ask you guys some to kind of produce value for our, uh, a lot of our listeners because you guys have tons of experience in working with adolescents uh, and teenagers. Um, what would you say are the keys for high school students in learning how to set priorities? Uh, that's a that's a very good question, and um, kids and grownups, for that matter, have that same problem. And all of us understanding our priorities is, is key. And priorities really come in two parts, two types actually, those that are urgent and those that are important, okay? We teach our students how to break those into four different buckets. The first bucket is what you do first. In other words, what you need to do today or in the next 48 hours has to be completed latest. Number two is what can you schedule? What's important but not urgent that should be scheduled for a specific time in the next few days or in the next week. It's not in the first two days. Number three is what can you delegate? Who can you give this process to? It's, it's urgent, but not important. Somebody else can go pick up the laundry or pick up the, the dinner to take it home because you're working on something else, you know, your sister, or your brother. Or number four is what are things that you don't do? It's not important and it's not urgent. And so the student can then take everything they have, write it down on a, on a pad of paper and say, these are all the things that I need to do in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, and then write a one, two, three, or four next to it. And therefore they then have their clarity and their, their priorities. Okay, nice. Beth and Greg, what are some healthy, so you talked about starting at sophomore, junior year. Um, when I think about goals, is the first thing that you do uh, ever t like talk about why it's important to set goals? Like once they discover their values and their beliefs in your system, how important is setting those goals? One-year goals, five-year goals? It's extremely important. And the way we set up the goals is we've created a concept called success elements. Okay. And you can break all your goals into four different success elements, health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships. Nice. And we force it, we force it into breaking it into those four buckets. When you're still- Can I borrow school, that one, Greg? I'm sorry? Can I borrow that one? Of course. <laughs> the, uh, because I've, I've been with people that say, well, I've got these 20 different priorities. I say, okay, listen, that's, yeah. that's gonna be too complex. From your health perspective, are you sleeping well enough? Are you eating right? Are you dealing with your emotional, um, your emotional health as well as your physical health? 
from a wealth perspective when you're in school, it's educational perspective and yeah. it transitions into wealth when you are working. By that, I mean your grades, your scores, your recognitions. Are you having any extracurricular activities, internships and so forth? Then the wisdom and the relationships. The relationships can be with your parents, with your friends, with your relatives, with your boss, with your faith. It mm -hmm. can be on any one of those elements and you set a specific goal relative to that. And then like, the other like important that. thing, yeah. the other important component of that is to make them be use smart goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relatable, and time bound. Yeah. Nice. With a lot of my clients, I often focus on the elite eight of stress management, faith, fitness, friends, hobbies, interests, what you're reading, podcasting, nutrition, sleep, and managing media exposure. And on the eighth one, I find just so important for young people. They, um, not even counting curriculum, writing a paper for a class, not even counting um, doing their homework on their Chromebook. Uh, they're averaging nine and a half hours of personal media use per day. And so the more we can move towards managing media exposure, and that sort of overflows with a lot of the other elements, including good behavioral sleep medicine, being able to get sleep because they're on their phones at 1 a.m. It's hard to, what I like about kind of how, how you're talking is this, this mindset towards achievement, this mindset towards growth, this, this having goals, moving toward them. And, you know, Instagram followers, buying followers to have more, uh, you know, follow, uh, while under the bed covers at 1 a.m. doesn't help, uh, you know, accomplish the goals that you've set out for your one-year goals, five-year goals, and what's priority with what you just talked about. Very true. And more times than not, the things, when they get down to their one-year goals, the things that most of our students want to change are less time on social media and to get more sleep. And we always point out, wow, how do those correlate? You know, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> if you just, and just yesterday, my student said, I just scroll too long and then I'm up. I scroll too long, is what she said. And the beauty of the yeah. process is that once you have them, you determine what are their aspirational goals, because part of the program, even for a high school kid, is they pick their aspirational goals when they're 65 for health, wealth, wisdom, and relationship. Yeah. And when they say, how can I do that now? And say, put it down, put it in writing. We take them through in little pieces, in little uh, small um, micro segments. You can review that on an annual basis. The, the benefit is that they are able to determine, okay, this is important for me. How am I going to do this now? Just as that is important, what should I not do that's mm -hmm. deterring me from, from accomplishing those goals? And so they're very clear in saying social media, not enough sleep. I'm not eating right. I'm mm -hmm. hanging out with the wrong people. That really comes out and we capture that uh, in the process as well. Nice. I'm a big believer in growth mindset. And I know that some of your materials cover uh, the value of the growth mindset. I think learning early, the growth mindset is key. But teenage years are there's such a huge building block, you know, uh, like learning optimism. We want to teach our kids that problems are temporary, not permanent, mm -hmm. right? Um, that they affect they they're specific. 
rather than pervasive affecting all areas. You know, I missed a spelling. That doesn't mean that that affects, um, you know, all my other classes in the fourth grade. So um, uh, certain skills like optimism, being able to apply optimism to problem solving, of course, learning early. But when you get in your teenage years, things like uh, having a growth mindset and uh, optimism and gratitude, they really produce this building block that can last a lifetime. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about um, how the, the college flight plan applies some of these attributes uh, that make a huge difference for your students that you work with? Sure. Um, I think the first one is the, and you brought it up, to stop measuring themselves by their social media feed. Um, that's that's very clear that they stopped doing that. You can't measure yourself versus perfection. Uh, perfection is a mental construct. It's like when you're in an airplane and you're flying towards the horizon, and we've all flown a lot in airplanes, probably not so much in the last year, but before that we did. As you fly towards the horizon, the horizon keeps moving away. That's the same as perfection. What we teach our students is you need to measure yourself with your success elements against what you accomplished yesterday, because that's tangible, that's real, and that will give you a sense of confidence and optimism relative to what you can accomplish tomorrow. And I believe that that is, that is very positive. We also teach them my favorite word in the English language, which is the word yet, in that I haven't learned that yet, but I can learn that. And I will learn that. And with YouTube, you can do that. Nice. Yeah. And I also think it's important that for a kid to say, listen, I don't know. And it's okay to ask for help. You don't have to know everything. When we grew up, you were had the fixed mindset that you were either smart or you weren't. Uh, it's proven now that you can learn from your mistakes. You can get better if you do something different. If you try something, you make mistakes, it's the scar tissues of life. And that's what we've invested back, back into this pro program because we want kids to avoid the, some of the scar tissue that we've had as we were growing up. And we try to teach them that it's progress, not perfection. Nice, yeah. Some of my favorite uh, cognitive reframes, I've done some recent uh, short little videos, podcasts, or short little videos on my YouTube channel. One of them is, what is the ultimate reframe? Uh, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we talk about reframing. Just, you got your irrational, and we want to change it to a rational belief, right? A negative belief, we want to change it to a positive belief. And seeing adversity as positive. So many of us sort of like want to avoid, whether it's carrying the cross or avoid struggle or avoid pain um, or avoid anything that's hard. But um, but then you run into the value of like scar tissue, Greg. And we think about the struggles and the growth that comes from the struggle. Um, I recently was reflecting on, I grew up in Chicago. I was a big uh, Chicago Bulls fan. And as a kid growing up, I hated the Detroit Pistons. And <laughs> they were just... Uh, awful to watch they were agonizing and um, but now what some 25 30 years later I appreciate what they did for the Bulls and the adversity that they gave them and I, and I recently used that as a sports metaphor for our life 
Like we come upon, when, when you hit it, you go through it. When you come upon struggle, you see it as positive. Hardship, suffering, emotional pain, um, rejection, all of these, this struggle can result in growth and in, in learning. Um, so, which is, which is properly applied, that's wisdom. Yeah. And then share with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And we also work with the kids having a victor, not a victim mentality. Nice. Because yeah. That is so important. What advice, I want to go back to, um, what advice do you guys have for parents? So, collegeflightplan.com listeners, check it out. This is a fantastic resource. Um, Greg and Beth, what advice do you have for parents who are listening, who have high school students, or even students of eighth graders and seventh graders, uh, and they're just scratching their head? My kid is floundering. His grades are Bs, Cs, I don't know. He back talks. He's not compliant. He doesn't clean up his, he doesn't clean his bedroom. He won't do anything. He talks back. He's on his phone. And, you know, they're sort of questioning what's this kid going to do? And they're waiting for that. How am I going to get the light bulb to come on and figure out that passion, that thing that they're, that's going to wake them up. Yeah. What advice do you have to say to those parents out there? Well, first of all, let them know they're not alone. Most of our parents, they'll say, could you tell my kid this? He's not listening to me. And, you know, and it's, beyond the purview of what we usually deal with sometimes. And I'm like, sure, I'll try. <laughs> so, which is a great challenge for us too. But I mean, it's just the age of those children. If they can yeah. just start early, start early to have opportunities for them to learn what they're great at, learn what their interests are, learn where their strengths are and their natural inclinations. Um, the earlier, the better, because we can, Kid, little kids can learn this, you know, we're always searching. We were always searching with our kids what they were good at different things too. So it's not always pushing them into one thing or another. So if yeah. you can seek opportunities because of, as Greg said, did you already say that 87% yeah. of 16 to 29 year olds say they have no purpose in life Yeah. and finding their pur purpose is just so key. And but you have to come alongside them where they are. You can't dictate it. And what you do is you come alongside them and say, listen, you're going to go and you're going to accomplish everything in this self-discovery. But you know what we're going to start with? We're going to start with your values. What's important to you? Mm -hmm. let's, let's just start there. And what's not important to you? And then let's talk about some of the things that you've accomplished in your life. Let's talk about some stories of people and circumstances when you felt fantastic and that you felt that you were, you were being supported and you were being loved and you were being encouraged. Let's capture those because that coupled with some of the assessments that we do, for example, one of them that we do is a 360 assessment where they get to pick eight different trusted advisors, parents, guardians, counselor, coach, tutor, whoever it might be. And they're asked questions like, what are his strengths or her strengths? What are their weaknesses? What should they study? How do they add value to others? What is their interest? And so they get back 200 data points of information. It's not just one survey that they did multiple choice that says, ah, I'm supposed to be an engineer. 
No, mm -hmm. this is 200 data points of information that come back to them that they then begin to form an understanding of what is their DNA, what I call their distinct natural abilities, that they can significantly impact the world with. And that's what we help them to do. So it's not as simple as take the strong insurance inventory and, and get that one occupation. That's where I'm going. <laughs> not only that, but you know, some kids freak out when you say you got to pick your major. Well, you pick your core majors, it's much healthier because some kids, as we all know, if you say you're going to force me to pick one, yeah, no, you tell them, listen, based upon all the self-discovery you've done, you have a primary major, you can also have a minor, and then you also have one that you can discard if you don't like. And so that de-stresses the whole scenario as well. And so we found that the different ways of going through this helps a, a student who's in their teens determine things that people 20 years older haven't figured out. Yeah. Well, I was looking at your 12, 12 hour course contents, discover phase, determine phase, direct phase. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's laid out real nicely. Now what's the DNA statement? Well, the DNA statement is, as I say, your distinct natural abilities. Okay. Where you have, you've taken your values, You've taken what you say and what others say are your strengths and weaknesses and what are some things that you should not um, focus on. You then also take a Colby assessment, which is a cognitive assessment that measures how you instinctively solve problems. And armed with this information, we guide a, a student to craft a DNA paragraph, a dis distinct natural ability paragraph. And the reason for that is High school students many times are scared. They don't know what they're good at and they don't know what they should do. Yeah. Armed with that paragraph and they are confronted with, okay, Johnny, you need to volunteer for one of these projects or you need to go and volunteer in this class. Johnny knows what he would be good at if he's an analytical thinker, if he deals well with teams, is he, if he's a leader, what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses and how does he solve problems? he will have much more confidence in volunteering to do something and he's going to have a greater sense of success as a result of having that distinct natural ability. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure does. Absolutely. Um, I just want to mention one thing, you guys, about the products and services and your primary audiences. Uh, so you offer online courses and you all one-on-one -on -one coaching, workshops, and editing. So is editing about the compelling essays? Yes, it okay. definitely is. So, Write memorable application essays. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the workshops and the one-on-one -on -one co coaching? Sure. Um, what we have is a six-hour program that is um, faster than many times the seniors want to do it because they, they're too late in the process and they just want to go through the process. And that's uh, they do that themselves. It's all uh, self-paced. It's all online. Correct. That's and different than the 12-hour course. That is, it is, it is more condensed material than the 12-hour. Then you have the 12 hours, which is what I just described. That has all of the components okay. that uh, that you can do on your own. And that's for sophomores and juniors. Sophomores, juniors. Some seniors. We have some seniors that do it, and we actually have college students that do it as well. Okay. Um, then you have the workshops because sometimes families or groups say, listen, I have 10 students that want to do this and we'll do it in two days, two yeah. five hour segments, and we'll knock that out. And which is really the parents saying they walked in on a Saturday morning, not knowing what they wanted to do. 
And then they left on Sunday evening and they're expressing to me, mom and dad, these are my values, these are my goals, this is why they're important, these are uh, my strengths and weaknesses, this, these are my majors, this is what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. And they're saying, how did you do that? Um, but that's the, that's the process that we take them through um, with the workshops. And then some people say, listen, you just need to help my kid. And would you please take them through the comprehensive 12 hour program, but I want you to check in with them on a regular basis. So that's up to 12 weeks where we do that one-on-one -on -one coaching. And what happens then is at the end of the process, every student has to present to their parents what their findings are. What we do is we facilitate that conversation with their oh, parents nice. and advisor. I love that. Because so many times a parent says, so what did you learn in school or what did you learn in the class? Yeah. Go, no, nothing. In this, in this process, they have yeah. to share with their parents what it is that they have accomplished. And that's very rewarding for everybody in the room, <laughs> for yeah. us, for the student and for the parents. I bet that's really rewarding and satisfying. Yes. Um, well, this has been a great plan. Um, it's just been great having you guys on here. If we could just focus just for, if you have just a few more minutes, if we could focus like a laser beam on the actual colleges now. So values, beliefs, purpose, you know, so many skills that are gonna help prepare students. Then there's the college and there's the practical, right? What's affordable, uh, geographical location. Hopefully we're not just moving. We wanna to go to that college because boyfriend is one there, but uh, that's where the wealth and relationships comes in along with health and wisdom, wisdom. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and so do you guys still recommend, uh, choose three or four of really hard schools to get into four or five or six or whatever the number is medium two, three, four, five easy and like the bell curve like so you have a good range for sure yeses possibly yeses uh, tough and then the yeah. discernment process well it's not just automatically if a, if a top one says yes we're not necessarily just going there um there's a whole discernment of where they go when they get their yeses could you guys talk a little bit about that and and how you advise after all of this and how it comes practically for choosing a college. Yes, definitely. And we do recommend tough schools, but I always say shoot for the stars and you might hit the moon, you know, you, you never know. Our son is a great example of that. He was a transfer student from um, Auburn University to UPenn, an Ivy League school, but he, he knew, he thought he always wanted to be in medicine. And then uh, right before his senior year, I mean, right after his senior year, he interned with a cardiovascular surgeon and a neurosurgeon. And he just he discovered, I don't wanna do this. Internships are key. Hopefully people have time to explore what they think they're interested in. And so when he got to school, to Auburn, he decided, I'm gonna do two years here, which was great. He had a good time on campus but he wanted to go to the top business schools. He wanted to be a businessman in, in finance. So he applied to all these schools and he, he, had, he goes, mom, I don't have any connections at UPenn. I 
I'm not, I don't know a senator, I don't know anybody. I said, well, they have to take somebody like you. And so sure enough, he got in, but he, he, he thought they had the wrong social security number when he called to check it out. He's, he's like, are you sure you have the right person? And because he thought he would never get into an Ivy League school. So you, from personal experience, we know if, if you write a great essay and if you have good um, credentials, then grades and extracurricular activities. Yes, then please, if if you think you can afford to go Ivy League, that's the other thing. Uh, then by all means, at least try. And he, they were accepted. Uh, our kids were accepted by every school they applied to, and in the beginning. And most of our students also are. But I always say, shoot, you know, shoot high. Don't underestimate yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. and there are some students whose grades don't warrant that. But see the college application college admissions officers are looking for kids with the good grades great extracurriculars and by extracurriculars we don't mean just putting the hours in that you that your school requires it means digging deep starting an entrepreneurial uh, community activity that helps your community things like that they they want students they want their student body at the university to be well-rounded. They don't necessarily want the student to be well-rounded, but they want to fit students in to different categories in their university. So you, that's why you want to dig deep, deep in your extracurricular activities and then be able to express all that in your essays. It's key. Essays are key. Yeah. It seems like it's, it's what's right for that person. Um, I've got a friend who owns, started a root beer business in DC. He, he runs, a, he sells root beer. Uh, he's a graduate from Harvard. Um, you take Yale versus USF down here in South Florida. Well, I mean, certainly Yale is probably on paper. Michigan State, Harvard, you know, the, what's right for each person? I think it comes down to, if you were to find out that you're, you know, many of us, when we talk to uh, Dr. Jones, our primary care physician, uh, we, we don't try to figure out where their MDs from. Um, so right. certainly schools matter. Um, and, and so but you can get a quality education. Go ahead, Beth. I was going to say, if, as they go through the process and they apply, it becomes very clear. Sometimes you're not accepted by the school, yeah. your top school. And so it does become clear. And as you review your finances, it becomes clear. As you review what scholarships you have been awarded, yeah. Yeah. it becomes clear. Yeah. Uh, what the university is offering, it becomes clear. But there are many places to get great educations. It yeah. doesn't have to be an Ivy League school. Yeah. And you I guys, think something thank else you. that's very important. Yeah, please. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please, Greg, go ahead. I was going to say something else, that's, something else that's important to highlight is the fact that some kids may determine that it's best not to go to a university, and it's better to learn that early because you go, let's assume a, a student goes to a university, say it's a $50,000 a year university, they're in there for two years, they don't like it, they've changed majors several times, they drop out, they now have $100,000 worth of debt, they don't have a degree, and they can't earn a living to pay off that debt. 
It's much more important to figure out as early as possible what you should do and what you shouldn't do early in the process and save yourself that headache. Yeah, I have a client in my psychology practice who's 24. He was forced to go to college at age 18. It remains this pain, pain right now to this day. He has 26 grand in loans and he, he never even wanted to go that first year and he dropped out mm -hmm. and it was a forced kind of situation um, by his, his parents. What we encourage parents to do is, what we encourage parents and families to do is it doesn't have to be an or thing, mm -hmm. or excuse me, it, it, it can be a situation where you can go to college and say to your parents, listen, in the summer, I'd like to try this entrepreneurial bent, but I'm gonna to go to college and I wanna do this. Okay. So you're able to do both. It's it's not one or the other. Yeah. So I think that that sometimes works as well. Yeah. You guys, it was thanks so much for coming on the show. This was really great. Um, it's our pleasure. Yeah. It was great to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Again, I'd like to thank Beth and Greg um, Langston for their time today. As Greg mentioned, their website uh, is www. Do we still say www.collegeflightplan.com if you want to learn more. For those of you listening today, you can see down in the show notes and I'll attach that to our links. Um, there's a parent starter kit to teen self-discovery guide that sh um, we'll, we'll share in more detail what was covered today. Uh, and this link also includes the top five early actions that lead to college success. Um, which helps your teen stay on track for the future. The link is collegeflightplan.com slash guide. And it's there, they can get those resources, right? All right. Um, we hope you found the information they shared helpful for you and your family. Uh, we know we've been wanting to cover this topic and this is so important. So families out there, check it out, collegeflightplan.com. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's Parenting Podcast and the Dr. Vanning and Clinical Psychology and Parenting Show.